0: Welcome everyone, we're Red Weather Christians.
1: Ooh, going right into it. Listen, we are ready to go today. We've got our drinks. I have my hot drink. I've got my cold drink. Cheers to that.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: And today is the politics episode.
0: Yeah, neither of us really want to talk about this because we know we're going to alienate at least half of you.
1: No, we are not. We are having a discussion. I think we're going to do it in a way that's not going to alienate anybody, Stephen. I mean, people
0: are primed to be alienated and, and divided. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Well, maybe they just saw the title of this episode and they're like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Never listening to them again. That's
0: right. So our main reason for this is because it seems like the church or Christians or evangelicals have double standards.
1: You know what? When you say that, I think of what the biggest complaint towards Christians is that I've heard all my life. Do you know what I'm thinking, Steve? Uh,
0: you, you're talking. I'm not thinking. <laughs>
1: okay. Because <laughs> that's how a podcast works. <laughs> All growing up, still to this day, when I talk to non-Christians, their biggest complaint with Christians is hypocrisy. And I think the idea of double standards plays right into that. So we're going to be talking about that today.
0: Right. And also with double standards, we also are disillusioned with the idea that the church or people who go to church or people like that generally can end up voting on a single issue.
1: Yes. And then that's what brings it into... Politics. So we're going to start with our history with politics growing up. We I think I can speak for both of us when we say we didn't care too much about politics. I know I didn't. And what I did know of politics, I didn't really want to get into because what I saw in my own family was arguments and awkwardness and. The air at Thanksgiving becoming suddenly very thick.
0: Obviously, we're 80s kids. So, yeah, it was the Reagan era and then Bush. We we were kids. We didn't care at all, really. But when it came to the Clinton era in the 90s, we were old enough to kind of pay attention to things, to hear the news. And it was pretty hard to not know what was happening with Clinton in, in the latter half of his presidency.
1: Yeah, I remember it was a big thing in my family, like half my family voted for Clinton, half of them voted for Bush, and it was a point of contention for sure, and it got to the point where my family just didn't talk about it at all.
0: Anyway, so that was the big thing in the 90s, but really with Clinton having some of those extramarital affairs in the Oval Office and things, it set a precedent. In my family, when we heard about that news, my dad and my mom were both very clear that that behavior was not acceptable
1: by any human, but especially someone in a leadership position. You guys know leaders are held to higher standards, and especially the president of the United States talk about a leader. And in my family, yeah, it was similar. My dad, okay, well, my dad wasn't really ever a Christian, quote unquote, so he didn't really care, whatever. But my mom was like, yeah, that's unacceptable behavior.
0: Right. Now, Plenty of people overlooked some of those infidelities because the 90s were good economically for the most part. And so well, I don't care what you do in the Oval Office as long as I'm making money.
1: I mean, there was some fallout, of course, with his perjury and whatnot. <laughs> but all in all, things were rolling along pretty well because the economy was doing well.
0: Then you get the 2000 election, which was, to say the least, very divided and ended up controversial.
1: And remind our listeners who was up for election in 2000.
0: That was Al Gore versus George W. Bush. Now, after the whole hanging chads and issues that Florida had, ultimately people settled down. And I will probably say that the Christian church that we were involved in at that point, they weren't too upset about this election and potentially problems with the election because the Republican won.
1: And... For you listeners out there wondering what Steve means by that, I would say the majority of evangelical Christians tend to be Republican.
0: Which is actually a surprise to my best friend in college when I said, yeah, I vote Republican generally. And he's like, what? Because he was from you know, the Bay Area of California and he would he would never thought that was possible.
1: Yeah. And I grew up in the Bay Area of California. And while my immediate family was Republican, my grandpa wasn't, my uncle wasn't, my other uncle and aunt weren't. So, you know, I had a a healthy mix, I would say, of opinions in my life. So then comes not
0: necessarily a political event, but how we respond to it, or at least how we kind of heard responses from the Christian church. And that was 9-11. So George W. Bush is in office, it's early in his uh, term, and the planes fly into the Twin Towers. So what I heard in general was, let's go kill those mother effers.
1: And I understand, like, we were angry. As an American nation, we were angry. Something really, really heinous had been done to us. Lots of lives were lost. Things were never going to be the same again. And what is your natural reaction to that? Yeah, it's anger and you want justice. And I think for a lot of people, the idea of justice is an eye for an eye. They killed a bunch of us. Let's go kill a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, except for that part in the Bible where it says vengeance is the Lord's. So then must seem that we were doing righteous work at that point. Uh, yikes. Anyway, that's just kind of a, a weird political response that we have with regard to war and warmongering.
1: And I always really like the Beatitudes in the Bible in Matthew, Matthew 5, 9, and it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I love that. And that was not at all the response after 9-11 in any way, shape or form from a Republican Christian president. Yeah.
0: And we also want to remember that other verses in the Bible ask us to pray for our leaders. And specifically in 1 Timothy 2, it says to do that for all kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So we're now adults. We're living a married life or whatever. And the next few elections didn't seem so divided. People, maybe they had stronger opinions than we cared to know. But yeah,
1: no craziness. Then, of course, you have Obama. Oh, man. I remember hearing a lot of weird things from the Christian community when Obama was a presidential candidate, and a lot of it was fear. A lot of it was, if he becomes president, our nation is going to crumble. And I remember thinking, I don't understand what they mean. I mean, you might not like the president, but at the end of the day, there are checks and balances. It's not like it's a dictatorship where, you know, Obama would take the office and just do whatever the heck he wanted and completely ruin the country.
0: Yeah, and you didn't have to like him either. But you could probably agree that the way he carried himself was still decent.
1: Yeah, he seemed like a respectful human. He seemed like he cared about people and he cared about human rights. He
0: cared about his family, his wife, his daughters.
1: His dog. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wait, that was that was later. I think they got a, a dog while they were in office. Right. Yeah.
0: And then, of course, in his term, the big thing from Obama was Obamacare. And we we didn't understand why people got so riled up about people being offered affordable medical care.
1: This has always been a weird issue to us because, it. again, I know that it seems like we're just generalizing and I don't want to say that every Christian is like this. But the people that were in our Christian communities seemed to really rail against any kind of universal health care. But then at the same time, they weren't doing enough in their own churches or in their own Christian communities to make a difference for these people who would need or would benefit from universal health care. So it goes back to that kind of double standard or hypocrisy where it's like, you rail against the healthcare saying government shouldn't be in charge of that, government shouldn't be in charge of that, but then you're not stepping up to the plate and being in charge of it either.
0: On the other hand, people might have just been riled up about it because how we were gonna pay for it. And so then, yes, through the Obama administration, the debt which the US had incurred increased and we're still trying to recover from it. You know, that has been happening for multiple presidencies, so it's kind of a shoulder shrug like well, what do we do about that? That's a separate issue.
1: Yeah, and we're not saying that, like, Obama was just so great and perfect or anything. Every president is imperfect. Every president has his, maybe it'll be her someday, his own (laughs) issues. Um, But again, it's going back to the Christian response of vitriol, it seems, so many times.
0: To make sure we focus on multiple presidents here enough, Obama's reaction to the Flint water crisis wasn't great. But I don't think our Christian response to the Flint water crisis was any better. We kind of just said, "Uh, it's over there. Uh, Not part of our world. So that's just a case where I don't think he carried himself well. But otherwise, yeah, upstanding citizen.
1: And then comes 2016. This is what we really didn't want to talk about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we I mean it's it's dredging up some bad feelings anyway. Now, we we can write it as poop hit the fan, but we basically know that there were some primaries involved. On the Democratic side, you had a primary where, you know, the candidate ended up coming out on top, one maybe because of dubious actions within the party itself. And then the party on the right side, you the person who came out on top wasn't necessarily everyone's favorite.
1: Right. And Seemingly, it started more as a kind of a joke for him and his family just to see. And then it turned into maybe a, oh, my gosh, we can really do this.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't like what we heard in the Chris community was overwhelming support of our former president. Like when it was in the primaries, everybody had their other favorites. And that guy just happened to come out on top of the Republican Party primaries.
1: Yeah. Just to simplify here. When Trump was running and before he got elected, what we heard mostly from the Christian community was, "Ooh, we don't really like this guy. He's not our favorite. He's not he's not our man. Um, we're going to vote for somebody else. But then it came down to he's the only one. He's the only one really on the Republican side. And so he got elected. And then here's what was so strange for Steve and me is that it seemed like the Christian church flipped the evangelical church, I should say. I think it's more more so evangelical, um, more the conservative Christians seem to flip and seem to open up the floodgates of support and heart emojis and all the good things for someone who a couple months ago, they were like, no, I don't think he's a good person. I wouldn't vote for him. Yeah, because he had unapologetic locker room talk. Yeah. And how do
0: you... I mean, mean, we're talking about... It's within 20 years from the time when Clinton was impeached for perjury about infidelity, something that maybe this also president-elect might have had. um, And, oh, well, he's a Republican candidate. He's pro-life.
1: We just have to wonder if if it was the Democratic candidate who was elected and had done some of the same things that Trump had done, I wonder what the Christian response would have been to that.
0: Well, the Christian response was we definitely don't want the other Clinton in office. I mean, that was pretty clear. And while I also didn't necessarily want the other Clinton in office, that's not what we're debating here. We're talking about the church's response to a presidential candidate who has very questionable morals
1: And while the Christian community acknowledged that before he was president, after he was elected, it was like, we didn't talk about it anymore. And the response that Steve and I heard a lot was, well, we are going to be praying for our president. We support our president and we're praying for our president. And I think that's fine. I don't I don't have any issue with that. I think we should be supporting and praying for every leader in office. But it was a little strange that everything was forgotten and I guess forgiven when he had not asked for forgiveness.
0: Jen is referring to a little bit of the illusions. To the man after God's own heart. No, not Trump. We're talking about David from the Bible, who was also caught in infidelity and some other transgressions, but he was very repentant of it. And then there were comparisons made between the two that, oh, a great leader can be forgiven for these past mistakes. And used by God. But there's a big difference between one who is unapologetic and one who is repentant.
1: Uh, Yeah, we didn't understand that. And if you are listening to this episode right now and you have all these comebacks and you want to talk about this, please get in touch with us because we legitimately do not understand how so many Christians supported that man.
0: Except we do. one way, and that is when it comes down to single-issue voting. And we can debate about abortion in another episode, and you might already write us off because we even think there's a debate about it, but if you think about single-issue voting, which is usually done on abortion or women's rights, from both the left and the right side in the U.S., it's not sufficient. You can't look at just one thing, and I'll tell you why. Single-issue voting is similar to people rejecting Christianity— over a single issue. You may have even had that in your life. You try to tell someone about God, try to tell them about the love of Jesus. And they're like, no, nah, I can't. I can't. Because I can't get over the fact that this God that you think is so awesome ordained genocide in the Old Testament or ordained the marauding crusades or inquisitions or anything throughout history where it makes Christians look really bad. They can't get past those things, that single issue where God kills people to see the good, the glorious, and the sacrifice of Jesus. Because historically, it wasn't and isn't all about love like it should be.
1: And just in a moment of vulnerability, I can resonate with that a little bit, where I feel like there are times when My heart wants to write off God because of a single thing that I really, really can't understand, like genocide. Yes, pretty terrible. Let's just go with that because that's pretty horrific. In my heart, I would want to say, you know what? Done. I'm not dealing with a God like that.
0: And some people could come back. Again, we are not biblical scholars, but they could come back with the fact that a couple of the tribes that the Israelites uh, were taking the land from uh, when they're coming back across the Jordan River, they were spared because they are like, oh, your God must be awesome and we believe in him too now. And they were spared and the others weren't. But come on, the order was pretty clear, like go and clear cut everybody out of that area and take it for your own. That doesn't seem too kind. And the reason I bring up that particular reason for people rejecting Christianity is because genocide is killing people. So if you think about abortion as killing people, which we could have that argument about when life begins, sure, bring it up, let me know. That's what we're talking about. So you're talking about this group of people thinks killing people is okay, very little people, albeit. And the other side is, you. Now that's it, a choice. So we have a problem with single-issue voting.
1: Single-issue voting and looking at life in any kind of lens where it's some kind of single-issue, tunnel vision or anything like that, it's not acknowledging the complexity of life and the complexity of our brains and our actions. Listen, we we do not live in a black and white world. We don't. The Bible is not black and white. You might think that it is, and you and I would need to have a conversation about that. And. To dismiss the complexity, I think you're, you're losing out on life. A lot of the beauty of life, actually. So when we're looking at
0: why this matters, people started voting for someone who they thought was otherwise reprehensible for a single issue. And I specifically was talking with my dad and I'm saying, dad, you would have never let me support someone like this back in the 90s when it was happening with Clinton. Like this is reprehensible behavior. You do not support someone like this who would permit this to continue. And yet he is more than willing to look the other way now. And I don't know why. I still ask him these questions.
1: So, yeah, Steve and his dad had some heated debates via FaceTime. <laughs> but we were in another country um, starting in 2020. And so then the next election comes along and we were... Still connected, but we are literally in another country, so we felt a little bit sheltered from it all. But it seemed like it was craziness. From what we saw and in the news, that election seemed absolutely bonkers.
0: Well, in that time, that that chaos was on several levels politically, you know, with 2020 and the pandemic coming and the George Floyd murder and the election cycle and I mean, it all came to head. And then, of course, whatever you think about January 6th, 2021, that happened. Uh, but again, as Jen was mentioning, we were out of the country. It wasn't as uh, close to home for us.
1: But of course, we still have social media. And I, I see what people are posting and their opinions because people are pretty free to express what they think on social media. And it was pretty clear. I don't know. I'll just say I'll just share one example. When people would post Bible verses and then within minutes post a picture of a flag that they're flying that says F Joe Biden. I mean, didn't seem like a Christian response to me. Didn't seem like a a response any human should have towards a leader who, you know, a few months before when Trump was in office, These same people are saying we need to respect our leaders and support them and pray for them. And now they're flying a flag that says F Joe Biden. It's confusing. It's confusing. And, you know, going back to that big complaint that people have against Christians, I can understand that. It's hypocrisy.
0: And we're not trying to get away from the F Donald Trump flags that might have been flying too, that may have been flown by Christians. That's also unacceptable. What we don't like is a double standard. That kind of behavior is not acceptable. I was taught that growing up. So it shouldn't be acceptable from either side of the aisle. And you should be able to, you know, follow a couple of those Bible verses we mentioned and pray for those who happen to be in elected positions above you in authority. Specifically in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. We're supposed to submit to their authority. I read in the little notes, my little NIV Bible, it does not refer to dictatorial leadership, apparently. You're not supposed to just submit to that. But we are basically in a democracy here. You can question that, of course, with the last election, if that's what you really want to believe in. But if you want to change that, you vote in the next elections. You vote the next time differently or whatever it is you want to do. But for now, you accept it and make the best of it.
1: And we didn't accept it and make the best of it necessarily when Trump was in office. Steve and I were kind of complainy pants about it, and we had some vocal moments with some close friends. But I say with some close friends, we weren't flying any flags or really posting much on social media. I wrote about it in my blog a little bit. I did. Um, But I try to keep it tactful. And still, you know, I want to talk about what's going on in our nation, but not in a way that's inappropriate. But at the end of the day, we understood that, again, there were checks and balances. He wasn't a dictator, even though we didn't necessarily vote for him we weren't scared. You know, we knew that he wasn't going to just go in and ruin everything like, you know, what people thought Obama was going to do. He made some decisions that maybe we didn't necessarily like, but he made some other decisions that were totally fine. So we tried to respect him in those ways.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. When you get down to it and you ask yourself, well, what do I do as a Christian human or a good human if you don't respect Or you don't agree with your leader. Well, we would probably just say suck it up for four years. Uh, But do the things you can at a local level to make your area the best it can be. Because ultimately, and lots of people like to believe in this anyway, the states have their own government, their own way to run things. Texas has been exploiting that more recently than other states. But you can change things closer to home. And then when you get the chance to change things at the federal level four years later, you vote to change it. That's what you can do. And you can try to trust in the system that's been in place for over 200 years that it can work.
1: Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's the biggest reminder for me and what I would want for all of you moving forward, no matter who is the president. Our goal here should be peacemaking. So all this stuff that we like to post, these snarky little memes or whatever on social media, and I'm including myself in this, we need to always think twice before we post that kind of stuff. Is this going to be peacemaking or is this stirring it up? Is this vitriol?
0: Right. And as Jen mentioned in the beginning, we don't want to be thought of as hypocrites having some sort of double standard when it fits our preferences or when it makes for our monetary gain, that's not what we want. We want to be consistent with what we believe and vote accordingly.
1: We are red weather Christians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jen.
0: Leave no doubt unturned.
1: Until next time. Hey, everyone. If you're enjoying Red Weather Christians, we'd appreciate it if you would share with your friends and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It will help us reach more people. More people means a richer conversation. A richer conversation hopefully leads to more action, and it's time that there's more action in Christian communities to make our world a better place.